Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good Wednesday morning. It is official. Donald Trump is running for president. Will Republicans rally behind him again? It's November 16th. This is today. He's running. Donald Trump launches his 2024 campaign. America's comeback starts right now. The former president defiant, throwing his hat in the ring one week after midterm elections that disappointed Republicans. Just ahead, will the faithful follow again, or is the party ready for new leadership? The political signals coming from the GOP this morning and what it means for the criminal investigations he still faces. Breaking overnight, new details on that deadly missile strike in Poland. Officials now saying it did not come from Russia. But likely Ukraine, the president holding emergency talks with world leaders this morning, we're live with the very latest. Winter wallop, the first storm of the season taking aim at the Northeast this morning. A dangerous mix of rain, sleet and snow for millions. And right behind it, another major blast of Arctic air, which you need to know as you head out the door. Ready for takeoff, the holiday travel rush at airports set to kick into high gear in the coming days. One of the busiest seasons in decades expected. Are the nation's airports ready? The head of the TSA with us live. Those stories plus historic launch. Three, two, one, boosters and ignition. The massive Artemis One rocket makes its debut flight overnight beginning NASA's long-awaited return to the moon. And Swift. <laughs> An uncertain record demand to see Taylor Swift's new tour crashes Ticketmaster inside the hours of glitches and chaos. And what you can still do if you missed out today, Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Oh, the agony and the ecstasy of the Taylor Swift concert ticket sales. Try not to mess with the Swifties. If they don't get their tickets, they are not happy. We'll see what Ticketmaster's doing to fix things. And in real news, uh, we're watching two major stories this morning, including the investigation into who launched that missile that landed in Poland. It killed two people. Just this morning, NATO's chief saying it was likely from Ukraine's air defense, that easing initial concern that the war in Ukraine could escalate to an even bigger conflict. We'll have a live report. But let's start at that speech at Mar-a-Lago overnight. Donald Trump announcing he is running for president with 720 days to go until the 2024 election and midterm ballots still being counted in some places. The former president getting a jump on any potential Republican rivals and making news for largely staying away from 2020's election results. We'll break down what it all means to the next presidential race and the future of the Republican Party. Let's start with NBC's Garrett Haig, who was at the event last night in Florida. Hi, Garrett. Good morning. 
Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, there are still 10 uncalled House races from last week's midterms. And while those votes remain to be counted, Republicans only need to pick up one seat to claim a narrow majority in the House. While we wait for those votes, though, the most polarizing figure in American politics already turning the political calendar ahead to 2024. On stage at his South Florida estate, Donald Trump announcing the White House run he's hinted at ever since his 2020 election defeat. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. The former president impeached twice, including for his role in the January 6th insurrection, placing himself at the head of a movement to take power back for his supporters. This is our country, our government. Rolling out a second-term platform that included rolling back COVID mandates, implementing nationwide voter ID laws, and executing drug dealers. And attacking President Biden over policy issues. In two years, the Biden administration has destroyed the U.S. economy. Biden firing back with a Twitter video overnight. Now at the center of multiple investigations, Mr. Trump said a weaponized justice system is the greatest threat to the U.S. We must conduct a top-to-bottom overhaul to clean out the festering rot and corruption of Washington, D.C. And I'm a victim, I will tell you. I'm a victim. Mr. Trump's third campaign for the White House begins at a moment of political weakness, with many in his own party blaming him for Republicans' tepid midterm performance. We underperformed among independents and moderates because their impression of many of the people in our party in leadership roles is that they're involved in chaos, negativity, uh, excessive uh, attacks. Republicans have pointed to the losses by candidates who followed Mr. Trump's model of casting doubt on the 2020 elections and were worried he'd drag the issue back into the spotlight. But last night, Mr. Trump did not dwell on the past election. Perhaps Mr. Trump's chief rival for the Republican nomination, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, shrugging off Trump's recent attacks after his own big midterm win. I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. And Mr. Trump will run this race without the help of one of his closest advisors, his eldest daughter, Ivanka, who not only skipped last night's announcement, but afterwards released a statement saying that while she loves and supports her father, she won't be involved in politics going forward. Savannah. All right, Garrett, thank you very much. All right, we've got some breaking news uh, to get to. We're learning more about a deadly missile strike in Poland, very close to the Ukrainian border. With an investigation underway, President Biden and NATO officials held a string of emergency meetings, and NATO's chief is now saying it was likely caused by Ukraine's air defense. We have two reports. We're going to start with NBC's Molly Hunter. Molly, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. The impact site is actually just up the road, just about five miles across the Polish border. Now, we are hearing from the NATO Secretary General this morning, who says the blast in Poland likely not caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile. We're also hearing from Polish officials. The prime minister there says it was likely a Ukrainian rocket from an S-300 air defense system. This morning, the Secretary General of NATO saying that the blast in Poland was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile, not a Russian missile. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. 
This is not Ukraine's fault. Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. Overnight in Bali at the G20 summit, President Biden already suggesting that it was unlikely that it was a Russian missile targeting Poland. It's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. President Biden called an emergency meeting of G7 and NATO leaders, and now, this morning, a sigh of relief. The NATO chief adding that NATO allies agreed they need to stay vigilant. NATO stands united and we will always do what is necessary to protect and defend all allies. If the missile had come from Russia deliberately, that would have been a serious escalation and would have triggered a military response even from America. The U.S., along with other NATO countries, are bound to protect fellow NATO members like Poland. But last night, before the investigation had even concluded, Ukraine's President Zelensky saying firmly, This is a Russian missile attack on collective security. This is a very significant escalation. Russia's defense ministry calling it deliberate provocation aimed at escalation, saying their high-precision strikes were carried out only on Ukrainian territory no closer than 20 miles from the Polish border. But Tuesday saw the broadest aerial bombardment of Russian missiles attacking Ukraine since the beginning of the war, including targeting the western city of Lviv, just 40 miles from the Polish border. The attack striking critical infrastructure across the country, knocking out power to 10 million people, according to Ukrainian officials. And in the capital of Kyiv, according to the city's mayor, Russian missiles hitting two residential buildings and killing at least one person. Now, NATO officials and Polish officials are making this point very clearly. Just to be clear why there were even Ukrainian air defense rockets in the sky yesterday, this country saw its largest spread, a most widespread Russian bombardment. According to Ukrainian officials, more than 90 Russian missiles were launched at this country. They were able to shoot down more than 70. We are also hearing from the NATO secretary general, who says that NATO allies agree we need to stay vigilant, calm and closely coordinated. Hoda. All right, Molly Hunter for us there. And let's get more on that explosion in Poland and the implications it holds for the war in Ukraine. Let's turn to NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel in the recently liberated city of Kherson. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. If this was, in fact, some Ukrainian air defense system that fired accidentally into Poland, it would significantly de-escalate things here. I don't think this was ever the kind of incident that was going to spark World War III, but it would eliminate a potential tripwire event between Russia and NATO and calm things down a little bit in an already very tense, very volatile situation. Uh, it would be potentially somewhat embarrassing for Ukraine, for President Zelensky personally, since he was so quick to blame Russia, but that could also be dismissed as uh, early reporting in a conflict zone, and early reports are often incorrect when things are, are so fluid. Uh, we are now in the southern city of Kherson, and over the last several days, we've been reporting a lot from here. Uh, this is a newly liberated city. Ukrainian forces came in here, drove the Russians out, but where did the Russians go? Well, they went right over this river, the Dnieper River, and the Ukrainians blew up this bridge, which was the Russians' main supply line into the built-up part of Kherson, uh, so that the Russians would not be able to come back, or at least face tremendous difficulty in trying to come back and trying to bring their armored vehicles across this river. Uh, we are now at a stage in this conflict where it seems that Russia and Ukraine have somewhat different 
uh, uh, military objectives. Uh, the Russians are resuming their long-range attacks, primarily targeting Ukraine's infrastructure, trying to bring this country to its knees to try and collapse the government, to get the people to, to suffer and sue for a, a peace agreement, while the Ukrainians are focusing on ground advances. They want to keep their momentum going. They want to push beyond the areas that they have already taken and continue to take the fight to the Russians. All right, Richard Engel for us there in Kherson. Richard, thank you. All right, I want to turn to Craig now. A spectacular mm. sight in the skies over Florida yeah. overnight. Long awaited. Long awaited. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Apparently, the third time was the charm for NASA's Artemis moon rocket. It finally blasted off from the Kennedy Space Center just before 2 a.m. Eastern. This uncrewed test mission, a major step closer to landing on the lunar surface for the first time in some 50 years. And, of course... NBC's Tom Costello watched it all live, joins us with the very latest. So, Tom, so far, so good. What's the word? It is just so far picture perfect. This was one for the record books. I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of rocket launches. This was spectacular. We saw the acoustic vibrations shaking the building that we're on top of right now. The car alarms went off in the parking lot here. This is a test flight. So they're testing every portion of the Artemis rocket and the Orion spacecraft. Chances are you were asleep at 145 this morning. So let me show you what you missed. Three, two, one, boosters in ignition, and liftoff of Artemis 1. We rise together, back to the moon and beyond. Roaring off launch pad 39B at the Kennedy Space Center, the next chapter in America's love affair with all things space. You're looking at 8.8 million pounds of maximum thrust. NASA's Artemis rocket, the most powerful ever built, headed for a 26-day uncrewed orbit around the moon. The liftoff at 1.47 a.m. coming after NASA had to scrub August and September attempts due to a bad sensor and a fuel leak. Then Hurricanes Ian and Nicole pushed the launch into November. Overnight, another fuel leak triggered a pause before mission controllers gave the green light to continue. I'm telling you, we've never seen such a, a tale of flame. This is just the test flight. And we are stressing it and testing it in ways that we will not do to a rocket that has a human crew on it. Artemis is the twin Greek god of Apollo with perfect aim. A test flight before astronauts fly a crewed flight around the moon. And then in 2025 or later, a woman and person of color will climb inside the Orion space capsule and eventually land on the moon for the first time since 1972. The ultimate goal, build a lunar base and space station for future missions to Mars. Just like Apollo, the astronauts on Orion will lift off on their backs, but there's 30% more room inside Orion than Apollo, which means there's room for four astronauts instead of three. Now, right over there is a retractable rowing machine for exercise, and right there is a commode. Orion's return will also look like Apollo, but re-entering the Earth's atmosphere hotter and faster, parachuting into the Pacific Ocean. Splashdown for this mission, set for December 11th off San Diego. And that is a critical part of this test, that heat shield underneath the Orion spaceship. It's got to work because they're going to hit 5,000 degrees temperature on re-entry. That is half the temperature 
of the sun. You guys, back to you. Wow. And Tom, this is kind of weird, but we hear that there are mannequins inside the spaceship. Is that right? Test mannequins, test dummies. Uh, one of them is kind of mimicking or will have will kind of take readouts, if you will, on the G-forces that a human will feel when they're inside the Orion spaceship. And then they've got two female dummies. Really, it's just the waist up. But that's a radiation test to see how much radiation exposure will individuals get when they're inside Orion. So three test dummies. Again, as I mentioned, four people will be in there eventually. But three test dummies right now to give NASA a good sense of what it will be like to be on board Orion in a real mission within two years or so. Mm. Wow. All right, Tom Costello for us there. Tom, thanks. Going back to the moon. Wow. The commode was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like the level of detail there. Yeah, you know, Davis, you, thank yeah. you. He knows we're wondering. So oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank All you, right, Tom. let's get our first check of the weather. We say good morning to Dylan, who's in for Al. Hi, Hi there. It's that snowman behind you. We've got a snowman, folks. Oh. Yep, there's oh. enough snow in Madison, Wisconsin to uh, give us the snowman, bring around the sled. We had about three to four inches in that area. In Cedar Rapids, Iowa, we had just about an inch or so, but it's a taste of what's to come. The cold air is in place, and in fact, we have lake effect snow warnings, and this is going to be the big issue off of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario as we go into tonight, tomorrow, into Friday, too. The big storm system that brought the snow back through the Midwest, most of that snow is isolated to central and northern New England. It's been mostly rain in New York, up into Boston. That's going to exit as we go into this afternoon. And then this area of low pressure is going to set up the perfect situation for lake effect snow. Strong northwesterly winds, the lakes themselves are nice and warm, and the air is quite cold. In fact, some of the coldest air we've seen so far this season. So that's going to turn on the lake effect snow machine, and it's going to last for several days. We could see as much as one to three feet of snow, especially just north of Syracuse, off of Lake Ontario, and back through Buffalo, New York. We could see some of that significant snowfall as well. So that's going to be the big story going through the rest of this week. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Uh, Coming up, a case that gripped the nation more than a decade ago. It's back in the spotlight. Casey Anthony, she's speaking out in a new Peacock documentary in her first on-camera interview since being being acquitted in the murder of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. Sam Brock's taking a closer look at what she is now revealing, Sam. Casey Anthony, for the first time, Hoda, is talking about why it took a month to report her daughter's disappearance. I lied, she said, but no one asked why. What this has to do with her father, according to Anthony, coming up next. All right, Sam, thank you. And we'll get to that. Plus, with Thanksgiving just a week away, the holiday travel rush is about to kick into high gear. Will the airlines, will the airports be ready to handle that rush? Well, the head of the TSA will be our live guest. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Something bad has happened to mom. Streaming now on Peacock. Joy Delaney, mother of four, has gone missing. From the author of Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers. She will come back. You think we're this, like, big happy family? Oh, 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 oh. I have a confession. Starring Oscar nominee Annette Bening, Sam Neill, Jake Lacey, and Allison Brie. Secrets will poison any family, and what you don't know can hurt you. Apples Never Fall. Streaming now only on Peacock. We're back, 7.30. Uh, look what's happening right behind us. That's work. They're doing some work on the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, getting it ready for the big lighting. That big event, by the way. Oh, wow. Exactly two weeks from today. Jeez. Of course, it'll be right here on NBC. It's going to be beautiful. Maybe it was because it was 80 degrees last weekend. <laughs> I just like, it feels yes. like it's suddenly all yeah. here. Yes. The snow, the holidays, right. the trees. Yes. Kudos to those workers, by the way, yeah. who are, are working in some drizzle this yes. morning. Yeah. Too, so. All right. Well, let's get to your headlines. 7.30 now. Classes at the University of Virginia will resume this morning following the deadly shooting of three Virginia football players. Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr. were killed on Sunday after returning to campus from a field trip in Washington, D.C. Two others were wounded. The suspect is a 22-year-old UVA student, Christopher John L. Jones Jr. He's being arraigned today on three counts of second-degree murder and other charges. More than a dozen Democrats joined with Republicans in the Senate yesterday voting to end the national COVID emergency declaration. That declaration adopted in 2020 gives the Biden administration more tools and flexibility to fight the virus. That Senate resolution now goes to the House, but its fate there Remains unclear. The White House has said that President Biden would veto the legislation. The search is on this morning for upwards of 40,000 mink on the loose in northwest Ohio. The small animals were released from their cages at a farm in the middle of the night. So police say somebody destroyed the farm's fencing, set them free. <laughs> The mink are not dangerous, but they are advising people to keep a close eye on their poultry. All right. <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> I know. I was signaling okay. to Craig. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, we hope everybody. Okay. Fine. Yeah. It's about everything's fine. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Deep breath, right, yes. guys? Yes. All, right. All right. Let's. We we got a lot more to get to, mm-hmm. including some new interest in the decade-old Casey Anthony case. It's yeah. back in the spotlight. Yeah, the Florida mother was the subject of one of the most intensely watched murder trials in modern U.S. history. Eventually, found not guilty of killing her two-year-old daughter Kaylee. Well, now, now Casey Anthony is speaking out in a new Peacock documentary, her first on-camera interview since that verdict. Uh, NBC Sam Brock joins us now with that story. Hey, Sam. Good morning. Hoda, good morning. Certainly this was a case that captivated the country for years. And at its core was the question, why did it take Casey Anthony 31 days to report the disappearance of her young daughter? In this documentary, she says that she genuinely believed that Kaylee was alive and well the entire time and acknowledges lying to police, but is adamant she would never harm her daughter and instead points the finger at her father. For the first time on camera. Casey Anthony, the woman infamously accused and later acquitted of murdering her own daughter, Kaylee, is now addressing lingering questions more than a decade after that not guilty decision, including why it took a month to report Kaylee's disappearance and what happened on the last day she saw her daughter. In a three-part limited series, Anthony blames her father, George, for the tragic death, alleging that he staged Kaylee's drowning in order to cover up that he might have been abusing his granddaughter. She tells Peacock, owned by NBC Universal, which also owns NBC News, that the day Kaylee disappeared, she actually fell asleep with the two-year-old child in her arms, only to be awakened by her father, later holding the lifeless child. 
In the series, Casey says, She was soaking wet. I can see him standing there with her in his arms and hand her to me and telling me that it's my fault, that I did that, that I caused that. But he didn't rush to call 911 and he wasn't trying to resuscitate her. For 31 days, Anthony says she thought her daughter was alive and well while she stayed with a boyfriend. But back in 2011, Anthony's defense team telling a different story, arguing in court that Kaylee was not killed, but drowned in the family pool. And after the child was found, he helped dispose of the body in order to cover up the death, something George Anthony repeatedly denied during testimony. Casey Anthony now admits she lied about a host of circumstances to police as a consequence of a fractured family life and a father who lawyers accused of sexually abusing her for years. George Anthony also vehemently denied those abuse allegations in court and has never been charged with any crimes related to them. He has not responded yet to our new request for comment on the documentary. As one of the most controversial trials in recent memory deepens with another voice and another chapter. And Casey Anthony was convicted of several charges, including lying to police for which, which she served time behind bars. That documentary will be available on November 29th on Peacock. Guys, back to you. All right, Sam Brock for us there in Florida. Sam, thank you. Still ahead here. Uh, we're going to take a, a look at this unusual wellness trend that appears to be exploding online. There it is right there. Taping your mouth shut for a better night's sleep. We're going to take a closer look at, at what you need to know before giving it a try, if you're so inclined. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we might break into laughter again. Yes. I know. Okay. <laughs> but first, with the holiday travel rush about to begin, what should you expect when you head to the airports? We're going to ask TSA Administrator David Pekoski in a live interview right after this. We're back, 740 Today's Consumer Confidential with Thanksgiving just eight days away. The holiday travel season is kicking off in the coming days. We see the tree going up there. Well, the number of travelers passing through airports is expected to reach near pre-pandemic levels. So are the airlines, is the TSA, are they all ready to handle the rush? Administrator David Pekoski is with us now. He's at New York's LaGuardia Airport. Mr. Administrator, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Savannah. Good to see you, too. Well, it looks busy behind you. AAA put in its official forecast to expect long lines at the TSA checkpoints. Do you agree with that? Is it going to be a busy one? It's going to be busy. What I would say is that we're going to meet our throughput standards throughout the Thanksgiving holiday period. And for us, that's if you're a standard passenger, uh, you can expect to wait uh, 30 minutes or less on average. And if you're a pre-check passenger, generally 10 minutes, oftentimes five minutes or less. So, uh, you know, we measure things not by the length of the line necessarily, but by the wait uh, for passengers. Well, that would be a pretty speedy. I think people would be happy if that's the result you get. I read in some of the materials here that every available checkpoint will be operational. We've all been there when you stand in a long line and then you look over and there's a checkpoint that's empty and unstaffed. Are you saying that's not going to happen this holiday season and Thanksgiving? That won't happen this holiday season. I mean, when you look at Thanksgiving holiday, for example, you mentioned it's, you know, it's about 10 days long. Uh, we can staff up and sustain uh, higher levels of staffing through that 10-day period. Where it gets harder for us is when you have like a 12-week summer travel period. That gets harder to do that. Yeah. Um, but we're ready. We're fully staffed uh, at the checkpoints for this coming holiday. Let's talk about security. Obviously, that is your main mission. A passenger got through security last mm -hmm. week with box cutters, of all things. Needless to say, that is chilling, given that was the weapon of choice for the 9-11 hijackers. Do you believe that to be a one-off incident, or is there a larger security issue here to be addressed? 
No, my job is to make it a one-off incident. I've been in this position now for a little over five years. It's the first time a box cutter has gotten through our security process. So what we did is it's really all hands on deck when that happens. So Friday evening into Saturday, all of us trying to figure out, okay, what happened here and how do we close uh, this vulnerability? We've made some adjustments to our training and we've made some clarifications to our standard operating procedures. I'm very confident that, that this is a one-off and we aren't going to see it again. I should mention. Uh, but what I would yeah. mention, Savannah, yeah. oh. is that all the all these officers, uh, you know, you see the officers behind me, they do an incredible job. I mean, just this year, already this calendar year, we've detected uh, almost 6,000 firearms in our checkpoints. And so, you know, they, they are always detecting uh, many of the items that we prohibit into the secure area of an airport. Yeah, as you well know, in your line of work, it's the one miss that gets attention, not the you know, t tens mm -hmm. of thousands of times TSA agents do detect it. But let's talk about guns. You brought that up. The TSA is on track to set a record for guns found in carry-on bags at security checkpoints. Got to show the picture of this. Somebody tried to bring a gun in in a raw chicken. Now, how do you explain this? Why are people trying to bring guns onto airplanes? Well, you know, guns are not permitted on board airplanes unless you check them in your check baggage. Uh, and there are procedures for that. And you've got to declare them to the airline and lock them uh, and separate the uh, ammunition. One of the very concerning things about the weapons that we uh, discover, the firearms, is that, you know, like, like you said, we're about to break a record. Um, the prior record was just last year, um, about 6,000. We're going to break that record this year without question, um, likely even this month. Uh, what we see, though, is that 87% of those firearms that we, te we detect are loaded. Um, so that presents a very significant security and safety concern. Would you like uh, to see We're doing the, everything yeah. we can. To, uh, let's sorry to interrupt. Would yeah. you like to see the to, penalty increase? Because it's a, it's a financial fine and it's a criminal referral, but mm -hmm. do they need to up these penalties? People bringing loaded guns, trying to bring them onto an airplane? Yeah, that, that, that's something we are looking at, and, and we should have an announcement on that in the coming weeks. But, uh, yes, there is a penalty. The, 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 the fine is up to $14,000. Um, that's clearly not having the effect that we want it to have, and we do need to see the, the numbers of firearms come down substantially in the future. And finally, before I go, I know you've been advocating for a pay raise for your workforce. Uh, you argue that they are paid 30% less than other uh, federal employees. Are you hopeful this will pass? I know it's in the budget, the president's budget. Are you hopeful you're going to get that passed? Yeah, the president submitted it in the budget. Um, uh, it, it is critically important for TSA. And you can imagine if you're one of the screening officers like those behind me, and you know that your federal counterparts in any other federal agency in this government are making 30% more than you make. You're showing up for a shift at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. You have a national security position, and you can't fail uh, at that position. I, I think it's critically important that we provide fair pay. And we're not asking for anything more than what every other federal employee receives. Uh, this is all in the hands of the Congress at this point. Point. The president put it in the budget. Uh, we're anxiously awaiting for the Congress's decision. Uh, what I would say, Savannah, and a big concern of mine is that should this not pass, uh, we're, we're, it's going to be increasingly hard for us to recruit people into TSA and very hard to retain the people that we do have uh, in the agency. And so that will have implications for this coming summer's travel. And so I would just urge the Congress to accept the president's request and pass it without delay. All right. Well, you've got some busy days ahead of you, TSA Administrator, uh, Administrator Mr. Pekoski. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Savannah. Appreciate it. All right.
go to Dillon and get a check of the weather. Well, hopefully we don't have weather to yeah. contend with yes. for the, the travel holiday, but it looks like it's just going to be the cold stretching into next week. No major storms expected, but I want to talk about just how cold it's going to be because we have two cold fronts moving through. The first one already moved through today. The second one is going to reinforce this shot of cold air and bring in some of the coldest air we've seen so far this season, uh, and that's going to also turn on that lake effect snow machine. want to point out that the first freeze of the season is happening tomorrow morning in Atlanta and Cleveland. Then it spreads into Philly and D.C. by Friday morning in the coldest air of the season, Saturday morning in Boston and New York. Today, we're looking for high temperatures to be running about 20 degrees below average. And again, every day from today through the weekend, we'll just continue to get colder. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Okay, a mix of elation and terrible disappointment for some Taylor Swift fans this morning after just the pre-sale for her new tour. There are a lot of tears, Uh y'all. We're going to take you inside the chaos to scoop up those tickets. That's reigniting frustration with Ticketmaster. We'll do that right after this. Hey, guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with seven-time Grammy winner Casey Musgraves to talk about the inspiration for her new album, the process she uses to write those beautiful songs, and finding success while bucking convention in Nashville. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts. She's one of the lucky ones, a Taylor Swift fan who actually managed to buy tickets to the tour yesterday. Oh, yes, but Jacob Soboff, apparently that, that wasn't the case for everyone. Yeah. No, it was not, excluding our sources telling me some of our colleagues here at 30 oh, Rockefeller Plaza. Okay. Guys, keep in mind, all of this chaos was over the pre-sale. Ticketmaster <laughs> says it was the biggest in its history, and when Swifties who were selected to take part literally overwhelmed the entire site yesterday, crashing it at one point, criticism poured in, well, swiftly. <laughs> It was an emotional roller coaster for Taylor Swift fans. I'm not getting tickets. Well, thank God that I requested the entire day off to get Taylor Swift tickets. Presale tickets for her highly anticipated Eras tour went on sale at 10 a.m. Tuesday, but Ticketmaster started glitching as early as nine. I haven't experienced anything like this before. Um, we have been waiting all day. Frustration immediately filled feeds online. One Twitter user saying, in part, Me, trying to figure out how Ticketmaster wasn't prepared for the demand. Ticketmaster handed out access to early seats through its new verified fan system, which requires pre-registration. But when the big moment came, Ticketmaster's website crashed. For one mother and daughter duo, they thought they'd be one of the lucky ones. They were next in line to score six tickets to her show in Pittsburgh. But then... We started all over and it dumped us back to like 2,000 plus. This comes at a time when big-name concerts are in high demand again after an extended pandemic-fueled break. Ticket sales for 2022 up 37% compared to 2019 pre-pandemic. 
In a statement, the company saying there was unprecedented demand with millions showing up to buy tickets. The frustrations over prices, availability, and access came swiftly. The Ticketmaster fees, about $50 on top of the ticket price. That's a lot of extra money on top of what you're paying. After five hours in the queue, success for Sarah and Ellie. I think people are just jumping at the chance to finally get to see her after three and a half years. Even for the Olszewski family, their patience paid off. We like looked at each other. We're like, oh my God, we're in. We're doing this. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. We reached out to Taylor Swift's team. We have not heard back yet. Uh, due to the technical issues, the Capital One cardholders presale was delayed until later today. So you can go do that. Regular ticket sales. Go through it again. Go on Friday. Yeah, if you want to go through it all well, come again. Come on, what a thrill for the ones who, could, who nailed it. I no, mean, I, I, Did you talk to anybody who got tickets ultimately? I my, did. They, they were my, so happy. My best friends uh, was trying to get them for her daughter and went on and then and it got crashed out. She couldn't oh, get them. Yeah. No. Yeah. All day All right. Long. I mean, all right. All right, guys. By the way, there was uh, some good news for Swift and some other big music stars yesterday when the Grammy nominations were announced. Oh. We're going to run through all of the nominees, the surprises on Popstart. But first, your local news. Right.